Amen. If you have your Bibles, open to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Acts, chapter 2. We'll pick up reading in verse 12. Acts, chapter 2. I still hear pages turning. That's a good sound. It says, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocked, said, These men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, Ye men of Judah, and ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken unto my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it came to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. And the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Father, we bow before you this morning, and I pray, God, that you give me unction from your Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you hide me behind your cross, Father. God, use this vessel, God, for your glory, Father. Let your word go forth in power. And, Father, let it be to receptive hearts that not only hear, but, Father, apply what your word says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You see what it says there in verse 12? What does this mean? And that's still a question that we face today. What does this mean, this outpouring of the Holy Spirit that took place here on this day of Pentecost? That takes place still today when a person is born again into the kingdom of God. That takes place when you yield your life in full surrender and He gives you a fullness of His Spirit day in, day out in your life. What does this mean? This fire that came from heaven, that came down and fell upon the men, the women of God. What does this mean? These strange languages that were being spoken this day. What does this mean? This joy that was being expressed, this exuberance that they were showing forth. What does it mean? It means God's up to something. It means God is working in somebody's life and God is working in churches. It means that God is moving. You see in Acts chapter 2, it tells us there between verses 16 to verse 21, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. What's the name of the Lord? It's Jesus. That's the only name that we have. That's the only name that we preach. That's the only name that we stand on. It says in verses 22 to 24 that God raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He died on Calvary's tree. He was buried in the grave. And the third day he rose up victorious. But he's not just living here, my friends, in your heart and mind. He ascended into the glory of God. And he sat at the right hand of the Father. He sits on the throne of God. David's no longer on the throne. King Jesus is on the throne because he is king, he is Christ, he is Lord. And he's enthroned forever. And what our job, what your job is, 
is that we share with a lost and dying world that Jesus Christ is the way. Jesus Christ is the answer. He's the only one that can give you full assurance inside your heart. He's the only one that can bear, that, that can burn inside you an awareness that you know, that you know, that you know without a doubt that you're a child of God, that you've been washed in the blood, that you're a changed life, that God has saved you, He has sealed you, He has secured you, He gives you full assurance of your salvation. You can know it without a doubt that you've been born again. You can know that you don't have to face a devil's hell. You can know that your sins are forgiven. You can know these things. Because Jesus is King. Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Lord. And then when you go over to Acts chapter 3, you find here the encounter of the lame man who's sitting there by the gate called Beautiful. And what happens to him? He is healed. How is he healed? Because they spoke to him about Jesus Christ. The blessed name Jesus Christ is the one who brought healing to his life. And then you go to Acts chapter 4 and Peter and John, they're called into questioning because the lame man has been healed. And they ask him there in Acts chapter 4 and verse 7, In whose power, by whose power did you do this? And look what they said in verse 10. Be it known unto you all and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. There is no other name that salvation can come by. There's no other name that healing can come by. There's no other name that forgiveness can come by except by the name of Jesus Christ. And look what it says in verse 17 and 18. It says, we preach only Jesus, but but that it spread no further among the people. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. Now now look at that. Don't speak in Jesus' name. And they call them and command them not to speak at all, nor teach in the name of Jesus. Doesn't that sound like today? You can be any religion in the world today in America, but you cannot be Christian and speak about it publicly. Because when you do, you are offending somebody. You, you can be anything you want to, and you can speak in the name of Buddha, you can pray in the name of Muhammad, but do not pray in the name of Jesus in this land that we live in that was built and based upon the very principles of Scripture. What's going on? We've lost our way. And we as America, we are like a, a, a rose that's been cut from the stem, and we are wilting. Why? Because we no longer understand It's by the blessed and holy name of Jesus Christ that we speak in. Look what it says in chapter 5 and verse 29 of the book of Acts. It says, Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than man. Oh, that we would get that tenacity back. That we would obey God and not man. Look what it says in verse 40. And to him they agreed. And when they called the apostles and they had beaten them, When was the last time you got whipped because of your faith? I've not. When they had beaten them and they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And they let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing. When was the last time you rejoiced because you got persecuted for your faith? When was the last time you counted it all joy because somebody spoke to you wrongly, criticized you because of your walk with Jesus Christ? They counted it all joy. They rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his what? His name. The name what? Jesus. 
And daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and to preach Jesus Christ. See guys, the issue that they had in the book of Acts is the same issue we got today. It's about the name. It's about the very person of Jesus Christ. But in Him, my friends, is the whole fulfillment of the Godhead bodily. In Him, there's no other salvation apart from Him. There's no forgiveness, no cleansing. It's all about the name Jesus Christ. That's the only name with which we have hope. That's the only name with which we have purpose. That's the only name that gives us assurance, my friends. It's all about the name of Jesus Christ. Now, who was living in 1925? Anybody on up to it? All right. Dad was born in 1930. 1925's in Dayton, Tennessee. Do you know what happened? There was a trial that took place called the Scopes Trial. And the issue, many people want to say, it was a publicity stunt. But it was an issue where a school teacher would have the right to teach evolution. Now, we have to go to court to have the right to teach creationism. Right? Do you see there's not been a flip-flop? Do you see something has, has transpired in this great land that we, we live in? And it's been a constant battle having the right to teach what the Word of God expressly teaches. That was the beginning, 1925. And in 1962, the Supreme Court of the United States of America, and they are not infallible and inspired but they passed a law about prayer, that, that we're not supposed to pray in schools, right? Do you see how we have, have allowed something to, to get, a, get a foothold in, and all of a sudden it keeps on going forward, and, and then other rulings begin to follow. And then you remember what happened in 2015? That was the Supreme Court ruling that said that homosexual marriage is legit. Do you see where our country came from and do you understand the path that we are on as a nation and you understand that 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 we're facing the same issues that they faced in the book of acts in the time when jesus had ascended and the time that the holy ghost came down and the church was birthed so see, 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 how many times have you heard if you go to a, a city council meeting or you go to a, a, an event, they will say, you can pray, but just don't pray in the name of... They tell you that, that you're not to wish somebody Merry Christmas, you're to say Happy Holidays. They say, now we cannot put up a nativity set in a public display because we are advocating one religion over another. Let me tell you, Jesus Christ and Christianity, that's not a religion, my friends. All these other religions will lead you to hell, but we're talking about Jesus Christ saving your soul. It's a way of life. It's faith. And you understand, see, see, see when we talk about history, uh, get this, it is his story that we're talking about. It is his story. That's what history's all about. You take God out of history, we ain't got nothing left, but we are here today because it's because of the name of Jesus. And you know that military chaplains now, it's not just about Jesus. We've got to endorse everything, acknowledge everybody. What happened under our watch? You got that? While we were here, 
See, we're struggling with what they struggle with in the book of Acts. It's about the name of Jesus Christ. This is our battle. We are to preach and we are to teach and we're to carry out religious activities, but we're not supposed to mention Jesus. How are you doing with that? It's just humanism. You know that, don't you? Doing good for goodness sake. And we got a lot of churches, per se, that they're willing to go that route. I'm not going to offend somebody and ask them about their relationship with Jesus Christ. I'll let them go to hell, preacher. Now, they don't say that last part, but that's what I hear. But I want to help people. Help them to hell? See, 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 this is the issue. We can do everything we're supposed to do as good deeds and acts, but we can't bring up Jesus. We cannot speak in the name of Jesus. And we're not to teach in the name of Jesus. Don't say his name. You all read where that Pennsylvania senator, congresswoman, she prayed a prayer in Jesus and asked forgiveness this last week or so. And, whoo, she wore them out. You know? You know? What's happened? It can't happen here. What's happening? Do you realize that, that, that George Washington, when he was 23 years old, he was the commander in the French and Indian War, along with the British commander Braddock? And they had 1,300 troops under his charge, and, and they were just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, on July the 9th, 1755. And on 1755, July the 9th, they encountered the opposition. And they came and they fought with the French and the Indians. And and, and they fought in lines like the British were trained to do. And here you've got 1,300 troops fighting the French and Indians who are hiding behind trees, who are hiding behind rocks. And 714 American and British troops were shot in a short period of time. And 30 French and Indians were shot in that same period of time. There's something wrong here in what's going on, don't you see? And and 86 officers were shot and killed. And George Washington was the only one who remained on his horse. And at the end of the day, he took off his coat and there were four bullet holes that went through his coat. And he wrote, I have been protected beyond all human probability or expectation by the all-powerful dispensations of providence. Fifteen years later, in 1770, he entered into that same area where the battle was and an old Indian chief came quite a distance to meet him face to face over the council of fire. I'm telling you this story because it used to be in our history books 50 years ago and now it's not. They came together to meet over a council of fire and the Indian chief said to Washington, I was the leader of the opposition. I instructed my braves to single out every officer and shoot them. And you, sir, were singled out and my braves shot at you constantly. And I, sir, counted 17 shots I personally fired at you. And I finally told my braves, stop shooting at you because you're wasting your ammunition. He's under the care of the great spirit 
And he looked at Washington and said, I have traveled a long and weary path that I might see the young warrior of the great battle. And I've come to pay homage to the man who is particularly favorite of heaven, who can never die in battle. And that story was in our history books until the 1950s. And all of a sudden it stopped. There was a shift. There was a radical shift. And then all of a sudden we start getting this nonsense that says our forefathers were atheists and they were deists and they were agnostics. That's not true. The University of Houston did a study and they were seeing what our founding fathers were reading and they went over 15,000 writings and they compared them and they found 3,150 quotes were from the Bible. Four times more than any other book. John Adams said the great principle on which the founding architect of the Declaration of Independence was based was on the principles of Christianity. That's what our country was founded on. And when people say separation of church and state, I say that ain't in there. Because that phrase is not in there. The phrase that is in there, it says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibit the free exercise thereof. There's no issue about separation of church and state. It's not in our Constitution. It was never intended. And if our forefathers did one thing in error, they failed to write the word Christian when they wrote the word religion. Because in their time, if it was religion, it was Christian. Do you see the spirit of Antichrist all over this place? This great country that we, we live in, that, 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 that sweeping across our land. See, and if Jesus Christ tarries, it will be this generation that is caught most uncomfortably in the crosshairs of the battle. See, see, we got in this situation because the church sat down. And then all of a sudden, now, this generation, you, me, our children, our grandchildren, they could pay the greatest price. They could follow in the path, uh, uh, the footsteps uh, of those, those people like Rachel Scott, of, of Cassie Burnell. Uh, of those Christians who are in that AME church in Charleston, South Carolina, and pay with martyrdom. Who would have ever thought it would happen in this country? Who would have ever thought in the land of the free and the home of the brave? But if we are to see a great awakening that transforms our culture, if we are to see something that, 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 that changes us, we are in the crosshairs. And you and your children and me and my kids, we may pay the greatest price. And so we're told, you can pray, just don't pray in Jesus' name. And we're right back to the book of Acts. You can preach, you can teach, but don't say Jesus. But it's all about Jesus. Because he's the only one that could save my soul. He's the only one that could forgive my sins. He's the only one that could write my name in the Lamb's book of life and give me purpose beyond this time and for all eternity. It's all about Jesus Christ. You see, history is His story. And Jesus Christ, He, he came from heaven down to earth. He's the God-man, God incarnate, God in flesh. And He lived on this earth a sinless life. And He died, my friends, for your sin and for my sin. He, he descended into hell. He emptied out Abraham's bosom and He put them in a better place. He ascended on high into God. He sat down at the right hand 
hand of God. He sits on the mercy seat. The blood of Christ has ever been applied for our lives. He's done it all for you. He's done it all for me. Why? Because He's God and He loves us. And He says, you don't have to live that way. You can know me. You can know forgiveness. You can know peace. You can know joy. It's not a principle, guys. It's the story of Christ. I honestly believe this. If aliens from another planet, little green creatures landed on planet Earth, and they came to our leadership, and they said, we have observed different planets across this this galaxies, and, and you're going the same path that the others have gone. You are depleting your ozone layer, and if you don't stop it, you're going to die. You're overpopulating your earth. You've got to stop. We would have a law passed tomorrow, ladies. You've got to get in your front yard, hand them your aerosol spray can, whereby you cannot spray your hair any longer, and men, we can't spray ours either. Why? Because we got to save our ozone layer because there's a hole coming in. Why? Because we've heard from somebody smarter than us. Now that's stupid. But I believe that's what happened. And all our aerosol products, what's it say in the book of Hebrews chapter 1? God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets. We have been visited from a power, from a person, from a holy God. And he has come to this earth. And in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had made himself purged out our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty of the Father, having become so much better than the angels, as he was inherited as... has by inheritance abstained a more excellent name than they. Here, we have been aided by God, invaded by God, and He has told us that we are living in a sin-fallen world and there's demonic angels all around this place trying to take us down, seduce us down the path of destruction. But Jesus Christ came and He showed us the true way. He showed us the living way and He gave His life to show and to seal it for us. And you've got to turn to Jesus. Why? Because it's all about Jesus. And you've got to stand and say, yes, it's about Jesus Christ. We live in a Romans 1 world all over again where we're calling bad good and evil good and good bad. And and we're backwards. We've messed it all up. It's the only time I know we live where gospel preachers are vilified and whoremongers and pornographers are glorified. We live in a time... Where we've got to stand and say, no more. I stand on the very word of God. And he said, I'm looking for men and women. He's looking for you and for you and for you to simply stand up and to speak up. And you don't have to be loud and you don't have to be obnoxious and you don't have to stomp your foot. But you've got to stand up and say, I am a Christian and I believe in Jesus Christ and I know he has saved my soul and I know he has washed me and forgiven me and I know I'm going to heaven when I die and I'd like to share with you how he can do that for you. You've got to stand up and say, I'm a child of the King. I've been born again by the blood of Christ. You've got to stand up and speak of Jesus Christ is the only way. And sometimes it's not going to be popular. And if you're wanting to be popular, you'll never be sold out. You got it? And we got a whole lot that are AWOL. Sold 
out. In the 1970s, there was a Southern Baptist missionary named Ralph Fazie, F-A-Z-Z-I-A-I-E, and he was in Mobasa, Kenya. Southern Baptists had been there for years, 25 years or so, and they had five mission stations, but they were not impacting the Muslim people there in Kenya like they wanted to. And they would go and they would hold crusades and they would preach and they would give tracts and Muslims would take these tracts and they would just cast them to the ground, toss it aside, and nothing seemed to penetrate, nothing seemed to move. And one day God spoke to Ralph and said, Stop preaching. Stop witnessing. Stop doing your crusades. And start praying. Well, that's a novel thought, isn't it? You do know it's easier to do something than to pray. And so for three months, they stopped witnessing. They stopped preaching. They canceled all their crusades. And at the end of three months, God spoke to Ralph again. And he said, go and now start to bless the Muslim people. And Ralph said, what, Lord? Just like you would say. How do you bless someone who doesn't even know Christ? How would you pray blessing upon someone? Well, let me give you some thoughts. You can pray a faith blessing to someone's life. You can pray for a miracle blessing in someone's life. You can pray a transformational blessing in someone's life. You can pray for healing blessings in someone's life. You can pray for directional blessings in someone's life. You can pray for influential blessings in someone's life. And so what happened was they started going and every time they would engage in a Muslim community, they would engage Muslim people, they would pray blessings to to them from God. And what they were doing was they were evidencing to a Muslim, to a lost man, the love of Christ. We sometimes, we want to, to wait till they get saved before we love them, and yet God has commended His love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And see, see we can't wait till they get saved to love them. We've got to start loving them now. We've got to start sharing with them the love of God now. See, see, God loves the world. He loves the lost man. He loves the saved man. But in order to get them to encounter God. We've got to get those walls, those barriers pulled down and that's only going to happen as you respect someone, as you love someone. And so Ralph said, I would feel led to go to a house. I'd find out it was a Muslim house. I would feel led to go to a business to pray and I'd find out it was a Muslim-owned business. I would go to a hospital room. I would find out there was a hospital room where a Muslim... But we prayed blessings on these people. And then the iman of one of the oldest mosques He asked them to come and pray blessings. Now, Ralph had to pray about that because here is a gospel preacher, missionary, born-again child of God going, and he did not want to give the appearance that he was approving, but but he asked God, and God, God... he sensed God saying to go. And, and so, so the Eman said, most missionaries are confrontational and hostile. You're different. Now, I've traveled quite a bit around the world. And and usually where I go, I'm not going to resorts. (laughs) I was in Nigeria for the last two years. Most dangerous place I've ever been. I get off the plane and I get four armed guards meet me and they stay with me for the two weeks I'm there. They don't, I cannot go to the bathroom without them going with me. We went to an island. We were the first white men ever on this island to preach the gospel. And everywhere we went, we're locked in a house at night 
I'm having a panic attack because the devil is attacking my mind, attacking me. I'm trying to get up to get a breath of fresh air. There's no electricity. My CPAP machine has quit working, and so I'm suffocating. That didn't help my panic attack. I think I'm going to go get a shower and just cool off. There's no pump working because the electricity's off. I can't get any water. I think I'm going to go out the front door. I step over two guards and the doors are locked. I can't get outside. I go to the refrigerator and for some reason it's got some cool air and I'm sitting there like this. You ever done that? And we preach the gospel and there's 147 people respond to faith in Jesus Christ. Now, part of it is because we're the first white people who ever showed up. But 147 people responded to faith in Jesus Christ. And, and, and so, so what I'm saying is I, I go to some different places that are not pleasant, that's not nice. I, I'm supposed to be in Coast of Ivory, which is northern Africa in November, training pastors. It again is a, anything in North Africa is not, not safe. Char tells me I have a martyr's complex. I assure her I don't. But you have an open door to preach the gospel. You preach the gospel. And when you can go preach where others have not gone, it is ripe. So here's Ralph. He goes into this, this area. But, and I told you this story about, about preaching. Here's what I've been told. The most arrogant people that, if I, that, 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 that these cultures experience are Australians and Americans. You know what we do when they can't understand us? We talk louder! And we think they're supposed to cater to our whims. And I'm just telling you what I've been told. That's not a good testimony. Arrogant. So Ralph, he's, he, he's meeting here and he arrives at this mosque and it was packed and, and all these Muslim men were there and the, they were praying blessing to these people and he said it was like God was stuck in traffic because nothing was breaking through. You ever been there? You just pray and it's like you're saying words and like you need to go outside if somebody told me to get your prayers above the ceiling. And he said, all of a sudden, one man breaks the rules and he goes and gets his little boy from the back and he brings him to the front and he's, he's carrying him. And, you know, they wear these long robes. And, and, and he says, he, he said, would you pray for my son? And he said, I've heard that Jesus can open blinded eyes. I've heard that Jesus can open up a mute's mouth to speak. I've heard that Jesus can make the lame to walk. And he pulled back that little robe and where there should have been two healthy legs, there was two little withered legs that this boy could not even stand up and bear his weight on and he was carried everywhere or he scooted. Can you pray that God would, Jesus would heal my son? Ralph said he began to pray and he prayed every way a Southern Baptist knows how to pray and nothing happened. And so we decided he'd try the Pentecostal way of praying and he started 
grabbing those legs and rubbing those legs and asking God to touch and heal and miraculously. And nothing happened. And he said, I looked at that father and I said, I'm so sorry. And the father said, that's okay. But you, would you pray a blessing for my son? And so he prayed a blessing for that little boy, and that little boy's eyes caught Ralph's eyes, and, and tears started coming down the cheeks of Ralph's face. See, see, see sometimes that's where we lose it, because we don't know this type of compassion, do we? We, we, don't, we don't feel like, like these people are, are feeling. And he prayed this prayer, and he said to Dad, had that little boy and he turned and was walking away and the little boy started squirming. He wanted down. And so so said that daddy, whoo, gracious. He said that daddy tried to set his son down but something was stopping him from getting his son to the floor. And, and his daddy pulled back that robe and all of a sudden where those two withered legs were, there was two whole legs. And all of a sudden, everybody in that mosh, they started erupting saying, in the name of Jesus there is power. In the name of Jesus there is hope. In the name of Jesus there is strength. And they grabbed Ralph and they took him outside of that moss and that demon said to him, I said, I've never expected Jesus to do that. I've never seen such power. And Ralph said, me neither. And a whole mosque of Muslims were testifying of the name of Jesus. Do you testify of the name of Jesus Christ? Man, there's going to be a cost. There's going to be a cost. I was talking to Jika the other day, and he said something about. It. He said, "He said, you know, he said there's a there's a youth pastor. He said that uh, that I know. He said he was living with his girlfriend, and the church didn't have a problem with that. I got a problem with that." See, see, and we preach the gospel, and we preach the Bible, and we preach there is a way that is straight, there is a path that is narrow. And over here, they're, they're saying, we got a steeple on our building, and we have a Bible, but it's all about love. And anything goes. Now you tell me, what does a lost person gravitate to? If there's no truth, there's no love. Doctrine is important, and doctrine means truth. Because we're loving people to hell. But a lost world is going to gravitate over here to this anything goes side. And yet God has called us that we stand on the Word of God and we preach Jesus Christ because there is no saving in any other name but Jesus Christ. And His Word shows us how we are to live, how we are to act, how we are to behave. There is a cost. Look what it says in Acts chapter 4, verse 29 to 30. I may have read it to you already. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. It says, And Lord... Behold their threatenings and grant us protection. Is that what it says? No. 
It says, grant us, your servants, boldness that we may speak thy word. And stretching forth thy hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. And when they prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake the Word of God with boldness. See, 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 we pray for protection way too much when we need to be praying for boldness. God, you work. I was coming in Nigeria, or I was kind of leaving Nigeria, and I got on a regional jet, and, and, and me and the guys with them feel we're, we're sitting there in the plane, and this is a regional jet going from one city in Nigeria to another. There's probably a hundred people on this jet, and, and I'm just you know looking at them as they go past me, and, and this kid goes by me. He's got on a, a beige tuxedo. That kind of gets your attention. He looks like he's about 16 years old, and I'm thinking, I don't think they've got proms here. But we're sitting there on the plane getting ready to take off. And all of a sudden I hear a voice in the back saying, This plane is going up and it may not come down. And if it doesn't come down, some of you all are going to go to hell immediately. I'm going to pray. And I got my attention. And all of a sudden this boy starts praying. And the, the, the intercom comes on. He stops. Everybody on the plane shut up, bowed their heads. The stewardess stopped. And he prayed for salvation to lost people. He prayed that people would be on a public airplane. Now we got off the plane. I'm sitting there who prayed this prayer? Because I didn't know it was this kid. He's too young. And I finally go up. I said, did you pray? He said, yes. I said, how old are you? He said, I'm 33. Bold as a lion. Boldness alive. We need to pray for boldness. Not arrogance. Boldness. Because it's all about the name of Jesus. See, the same thing they're struggling with in Acts. Don't preach in Jesus' name. Don't teach in Jesus' name. Just do good stuff. We've got to obey God rather than man. And there's salvation. No other name but Jesus Christ. There's a Christian man and his wife that were trying to sell a used car. And they had to sign out. And one day there was a knock on the door. And this family from Bosnia came. They were Muslims. And they wanted to purchase the car. They, they test drove it. They talked to the man about it. They had about six kids. And, and, and so they bought the car. And as they were leaving, they noticed that there was one of their little boys. He was just scratching relentlessly. He had a rash of some sorts on his body. And, and, and this man said, said, I'm not trying to offend you. But would you mind if we prayed for your child? And he said, the only way we can pray is in the name of Jesus. And, and, and this Bosnian Muslim said, that's fine. You, you can pray for our child. And, and so they prayed for the child. They got in the car and they drove off. The next day they knocked back on the door. And there was that whole Bosnian family. And that Bosnian man said, my son's rash is gone. I want you to pray for every kid I got. And next thing you know, they're bringing their Bosnian friends who are also Muslims to this home. Why? Because somebody said, can I pray for you? In the name of Jesus. That sounds pretty simple, doesn't it, guys? But that's what we have to do. Because, you see, it, it, it's about Jesus. 
and, and we're pointing to Him. See, see, God wants to show Himself gloriously alive in this culture we live in. You ever gone into a jewelry store and you say, I need to see the diamonds? Well, no, you've not done that, I can tell. By the way, I bought Char a diamond bracelet this year for our anniversary. The, the jewelry store had been in since 1925, went out of business, and I thought if I'm ever going to do it, I better do it now, right? You know, all the love you can feel coming out of me. And they laid that diamond bracelet down on a black cloth or something. Why'd they do that? To make it shine better, to look better. We live in complete darkness. And when God shows up, the brilliance of his glory just shines forth for everybody to see. So we live in the best time you could possibly live in with all the debauchery and all the sin and all the darkness. What a time for God to show up. What a time for God to demonstrate himself. But he's looking for you and you and you and you to say, I'll stand up and I will say in Jesus' name, bless his holy name. Father, we bow before you this morning. It's all about your name, Father. We pray, God, that you would begin to stir in this country, in this town, in this community, God, a movement by your Holy Ghost. We pray, God, you would send a revival. We pray, God, you would send an awakening. We pray, God, that we are in the position, the place we should be as your people to receive it. And, Father, to stand and say, it's Jesus and Jesus alone. It is only by him that one can have life, that one can know God, that one can have forgiveness of sin. Father, I pray you Stir us, God, for that one that's lost today. You've opened the blinded eyes, God. You spoke your word. Draw them by your Holy Spirit that they would have courage, God, to take that first step. You meet them as they come. Father, I pray for those who are struggling with issues and dealing with things in life. You enable them, Father, to know your peace, to know your word, to know your truth. God, move in our hearts. God, shake us, stir us, wake us up so that you can work in through our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. If the altar is open, what's God saying to you? Better yet, what are you going to say to God right now? Not today. Life is but a vapor. We're only promised right now. We're not promised another day. Obey God. Altar's open. Come.